With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good evening. Welcome to this episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. It is, by the time you read this, it'll be Tuesday. But you know that I talked to her. She is the pride of Florida State, the managing editor of Toasted Cheese, Stephanie Lenz. Good morning. Good, good morning. Good, good evening. How are you? Doing <laughs> good. It could be morning. It, by the time people will actually hear this, it will be morning. Yeah. One of our favorite targets. We need to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow. Right off the bat, just not even going to just dance around it. So, in an article from The Independent, while part of this is serious, where she reveals that she drank alcohol seven nights a week during the middle of lockdown, we will never, you know, mock that. But we need to talk about something that, you know, that we will get into she also said she made pasta and ate bread. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a Nobel Prize for carbs? Is there a way that we can go to Stockholm, nominate her for some sort of trophy? She ate bread. Um, yeah, it's uh, in Star Wars. C three PO says. We we seem to have been made to suffer. It's our lot in life. I think it's her campaign of suffering that she's been dragged low and has been forced to eat bread like a peon. Exactly, like like us common folks, like mm-hmm. you know, the bread eaters. <laughs> That's us. There's the lotus eaters and the bread eaters. She literally said that she. Oh Lord. Okay, we're not going to mock the. I'm not over her, but we're going to mock the, uh, what she did drink. She said that she yeah. made quinoa whiskey. Mm-hmm. That's what she said. <laughs> Scranton's own. I, um, I don't think that would be whiskey anymore. <clears throat> that wouldn't be tasty either. What kind of new age bullshit is this? Gwyneth Paltrow New Age bullshit. That's what it is. <laughs> well, if you're going to have whiskey, have whiskey. Like, why be fancy with it? There's mm-hmm. a bunch of pe- people at the liquor store that will be able to point you into various mm-hmm. types, qualities, and bottles. Mm-hmm. She can afford the good stuff, too. And she went quinoa whiskey. I mean, she literally mm-hmm. went artis- artisanal whiskey. Like, 
We're from the age of that, you know, people would be happy that we weren't drinking out of a paper bag. Exactly. Uh, and she I mean, said she, go ahead. We've, we've all been there, you know, drinking something questionable. But, um, yeah, I, when you, doesn't she, does she still live in the U.K.? I mean, she could literally go to Scotland or Ireland and get herself some capital W whiskey. But yet she chose the capital Q whiskey for quinoa. And it's just, it's just, I mean, you might as well make whiskey out of anything else. Like, make that a baked beans. Fuck it, risotto. Seriously, it's. Well, is that too close to pasta for her? There, is exactly. there a food shaming element to it? Like, well, I might have drank whiskey. I might have had a cocktail every night for however long she had it. But at least it wasn't that common whiskey. I had quinoa whiskey. It's like, girl, you had whiskey. I've had whiskey. You've had whiskey. We've all had whiskey with us. You're no more special than anybody else. I mean... And she was forced to have bread. Bread. Like, you know, like, she's like Oliver Twist, like a fucking street urchin. Really? Like, How does she you know. make a sandwich? Does she just not eat sandwiches? Does she make them on Air? kale? Kale? Arugula? Hope? Arugula. Be- between her <laughs> hands? I mean, yep. I can't trust somebody who sells coochie candles. Mm-hmm. And now she's over here giving, like, food advice. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you also made Shallow Hal. I can't trust anybody who stars in that movie. Her, Jack, yeah. Black, none of y'all. Mm-hmm. Literally, I, you know. Maybe that's why I, she doesn't eat bread. Maybe that hit a little too close to her emotionally. She she seems to be the kind of person to me, looking you know from the outside myself, as someone who is looking elsewhere for her approval. Like she wants you to love her because she makes a product, or because she's thin, or she's pretty, or she's a movie star, or whatever it is. And she doesn't seem to be all that gratified looking inward. It's all about I ate this. I made this. I did this. And everything is up for public consumption. It's like, do you have anything private? What do you do? Where where are your passions? What you know, what charity do you support? I know nothing about her other than the products that she makes and she's a snake oil saleswoman. Who won't eat bread. Like she is the you know, there are regular Karen. She's like mega Karen. Where she she runs a lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. I would say she should run a personality brand, but she doesn't have one of those either. Like, I I do I do like Royal Tenenbaums. I'll give her that one. Oh, I can't even get I I can't even go there. Like, mm-hmm. Jason Schwartzman is a has a punch of wait is he in that? He's not in that one. No, he's in um the other one. Oh yeah, Rushmore. 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 He has a punchable face. He does. He's a punchable dude. But his character is also some, pretty unlikable. So but, at least he's honest. I mean, yeah. his claim to fame I, is at least he was distancing himself away from his famous, you know, mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Mom being Talish, ta, was it, uh, Talia Shire and mm-hmm. Uncle uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. And we have sung the praises of Talia Shire on this very show. The character of Adrian Balboa is one of the understated 
yet powerful characters in movie history. Mm-hmm. And, and if you watch it with it in mind, I think she may be on the autism spectrum. That is what the thought was, because when Paulie was talking to Rocky, he said that she was a little different, and he tried to mm-hmm. explain it, but this is like 1976, so yep. times were different. But But then she found her voice, and when she started clapping for Rocky, you'd feel it. Like yep. you, you knew this little five foot six heavyweight is gonna beat up a six foot six Russian, and yep. you sus, you suspended disbelief for so long. You damn it, you might as well expel it because it's not coming back. Mm-hmm. How like, did we get it, around to movies? Oh, it was Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, and her lack thereof. Like, and she was saying how she doesn't love acting anymore. I mean, did <laughs> what okay. did acting ever love her? You know, I honestly wasn't all that impressed with Shakespeare in Love, and she got an Oscar for it. Exactly. And she's like, because she was saying that she hit the nail on her head at 26. Like, she hit the bullseye at 26. She well, said you, that? Yep. In the same article. Uh, no, she was on uh, Quarantine with Bruce. She said that part of the shine of acting wore off because, quote, intense public scrutiny she was under after, quote, hitting the bullseye when she was 26. But she flew far the fuck afield. Ooh, that's that's a lot of words there with F. But she flew a field with every other film. Just it was terrible. Like she, she tried to be funny, and literally, I've had mm-hmm. testicular exams that were more humorous in her movies. <laughs> yeah, funny she is not. But it's it's she tries. She and it like her mom is Blythe Danner, mm-hmm. and I can't say anything bad about Blythe in his movie because she played Helen Keller and I remember that as a kid like how it was something you did because Anne Bancroft was uh, Anne Sullivan in the movie it was like a miniseries I think and it was just it was powerful like you never saw like Helen Keller in this way mm-hmm. and but on the Paltrow and no it's just shit but when we come back from break we're going to have to drag somebody on Twitter. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC radio network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh my gosh, I'm adopting a puppy right now. But I realize what's at home. Oh no, I have nothing. Well, except unconditional love. But yeah, no crate, no pee-pee pads, no dental chews for his little puppy teeth. Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? 
Get Pet Essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast, Terrence Big Stephanie Lenz. Stephanie Lenz, yesterday was Mother's Day, first and foremost. Happy belated Mother's Day. You're one of the the shiny examples of momdom everywhere. So, it was bandied about social media, who's the greatest TV mom in history? And one of the overwhelming favorites was Claire Huxtable. You know, it was a role played by Felicia Rashad, a rather popular Twitter-er, decide to take Ms. Rashad to task for her support and enabling Bill Cosby. We need to get into this because I know this Twitterer, and she came about a year or two ago, came, not about two years ago, but came within 10 minutes of actually being a guest on this show, and something always gnawed at me, said, don't do it. Like, I, I came up with 50, 11 excuses, but, like, you know what? Mm, something doesn't feel right. So this Twitter decided to go into extensive detail and then then proceeds to center herself by discussing all of Cosby's victims, just all the white victims. Mm-hmm. And for me, it is sad because you have on Mother's Day you you decided to come for black women on Mother's Day you decided to go at a black woman who was probably enjoying time with her kids grandkids just relax and then you're going to sit there and you know not her but not you but this woman's going to sit there and have Felicia Rashad's name on her mouth make it make sense she was really putting herself in the middle of the discussion. I can say that. Um, it, it wasn't just a case of, you know, here are some women who were victims of his. It was, here's my friend who's a victim of his. It's almost celebrity name-dropping seemed to be the, the main goal in the original tweet and, and its subsequent thread. Um, was, it, was it Candy? that had brought up earlier in the week about how she was having some questions about whether she should continue to watching old reruns of the Cosby show and yes. kind of old, balancing yes. that. One yeah. of our friends, Candy Math, is just, you know, she said that she was, she was questioning and she posed a mm-hmm. serious question yeah, and, and people was, jumped all on her about it. Yep. But it was a really good question to ask. And it was something when I saw it, I took a little time and I thought about it and I was like, well, yeah, because she was also bringing up the example of Michael Jackson, someone who has um, a, a difficult past. Like the, the whole question of separating the art from the artist was the de- was you know what she was really asking about, and how we draw lines with some people in some art and not with other people in other art. And I saw that the person we're talking about, we'll just call her by her first name, I guess Lisa, kind of jumped on candy about it and about. Cosby and what he'd done and how it hurt her friend and Candy came back with, you know, wow, I'm really sorry that that touched you in a personal way. I'm trying to reconcile my feelings of separating the art and the artist and kind of 
just she just kept coming at Candy, coming at her and coming at her. And then by the end of the week, by Sunday, she put this up. Lisa put this up. And then Candy was like, oh, my God, I feel like I might have planted this seed. And then she said something about how she felt like um, she was being gaslit about it. And she absolutely was. There was no reason to turn a, what I call was a really a really self an opportunity for self reflection that was posed by someone and turning it into your own personal occasion to celebrity name drop. It went so far afield from what the original intention was and then to turn it into something else and then to spend she was at least at first, Lisa, kinda of coming back a little bit and then that all fell away. Then the tweet was deleted. And then she came back today and says, I apologize for the pain and hurt I caused people yesterday. Many friends, parentheses former, were hurt by my tweets. I'm taking time to consider my actions. I apologize. That doesn't cut it. It's, it's, that's not what this is about. This isn't about, again, it's not about your actions, the pain you caused, the hurt you caused. This is, why did you attack a, a black actress by using the name of her character you couldn't even put her own name in your mouth if you're going to do this. Um, and your apology is so weak water. It's just, and then that's what people are doing on Mother's Day. People want to enjoy the holiday, think about some of their favorite TV moms and stuff like that. You know, it, it, it was a character was really important for a lot of women, mm-hmm. and especially for a lot of black women. And then for her to come in and just be like, you know, I'm going to shit on the thing that you love just because I'm interested in shitting on the thing you love. It, it's absolutely asinine. I just... And I'm, I, it, I sat there and I watched that and I thought, oh, Kenny, Kenny meant no harm by it. And Kenny is one of the nicest, mm-hmm. sweetest, four foot ten people you ever want to meet. And yep. just to go at her that way and just to have the likes of people liking that. I, honestly, I'm Petty's all the hell. I went back and I saw like, oh, let me just block you, 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 because mm-hmm. Mother's Day is hard for some people. Like I lost my mom a couple years ago. While we weren't always close, we made amends at the end, and I always take that day as to reflect. You know what? Mm-hmm. I miss Patricia. You know, I miss her laugh or that sense of humor. Just, but not to sit there and just do this. Like mm-hmm. her issue should have been with Bill Cosby. It should have been with yeah. the networks. Felicia Rashad was pretty much a employee. Bill Cosby yeah. ran that show. He, she worked for him. You really can't critique and criticize her for all the sideways shit that he did that the networks knew for just mm-hmm. decades. And it, mm-hmm. but the predators are good at covering things like that up. Lots I mean, of, it's you know not unheard of that people find out that a neighbor or a coworker or a relative is a sexual predator and it's not that they don't believe it it's just like oh my god i had no idea and and yeah. you know even if even if you know somehow it, it was in the back of her head or she saw something she, it it doesn't give anyone the license to come in on mother's day and attack someone wow. who was really you know yeah I mean, there weren't a lot of shows with black families on in the mid-80s, and there were a few in the 70s. Um, you know, but it was important for me to see a professional woman, um, you know, 
who's also a mother as a character on television. So, you know, I can only imagine how important it was for black women and especially for for black girls to see this professional, um, like, cutthroat lawyer who comes home at the end of the day and is kind yet firm with her kids. That It was a good character, and Felicia Rashad did a fantastic job with the part. And to drag her into Bill Cosby's muck on Mother's Day, it, this apology is, is nothing compared to the, the turmoil that it caused for people. It's trash. It's the worst mm-hmm. because, like I said, you had these people who were, like, siding with her and, like, well, you know. I'm like, where was the smoke for Woody Allen? Where's mm-hmm. the smoke for the people who defended Harvey Weinstein? Where's the smoke James for the Seth Rogen? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Seth Rogen mm-hmm. actually changed his tune and said he'll never work with James Franco again, but you worked with him all this time, and yet you defended him. Where's the smoke for him? Just, you know, just because he plays a guy who sits there and smokes weed and is tangentially funny, you choose Mother's Day. Mm-hmm a day for moms, moms, ma, mamas, to sit there and be this person. And mm-hmm. just another case of white women centering themselves. This is why, I'll be honest, as a black man in this world, if my life depended on trusting one of these ally types, got one simple advice. Take care of my kids because I will not be there. Because mm-hmm. I have no trust because of shit like this, because of the constant, constant centering of them. Now, flipping to a lighter topic, let's talk about horses and drugs. Cool. So apparently, for those who don't know, like, the pony set, there's a famous trainer named Bob Baffert. One of his horses... Oh, Lord, I... I can't believe I'm about to read this, but this is the straight-up truth. So Bob Baffert went on Fox News. One of his horses, Medina Spirit, uh, won a Kentucky Derby, failed a post-race drug test. He goes on Fox News and explaining how cancel culture has hurt America. Now, I'm going to take a scientific approach and speak in a tone that is reverent and respectful of Mr. Baffert's place. Motherfucker, really? I mean, you're out here giving the horse, like, triaminic and shit, and you expect people to be okay with the fact that you're doping horses to win a goddamn race. You've won 5,000 Kentucky Derbies, but yet you're sitting there getting this horse higher than giraffe balls, and you... (sighs) I don't know. I mean, that's kind of always the joke that people use, like, wow, well, he must have been on horse tranquilizers. You know, like, that's, it's always like horse something. Well, they actually have the horse on horse tranquilizers or dope or whatever it is. I thought it was just painkillers, but now they're saying that it's testing positive for cough syrup. And it's like, you know, they took the advice of that old Chris Rock bit about putting the Robitussin on anything to cure it. They must have just guzzled Robitussin <laughs> for, the, for the horse. <laughs> Now they're saying that it was a groom who urinated in the hay 
and they tested that urine or the hay, and that's where they picked up the cough syrup from. No. No. At this point, I think you drugged the horse's cough syrup. First, why are you pissing in hay? Second of all, <laughs> like, the horse eats the hay. I'm not a farmer. I am from a, you know, concrete place. And if, first they said, I know they said that the urine smelled like cough syrup. How much fucking cough syrup are you drink? Are you using to have like to like piss purple? <laughs> oh my god! I'm just it's just insanity. And and we see these people with their their crazy hats, and you know, like <laughs> the whole spectacle of it is just so other to me. It, I I can't wrap my head around. And then you go to like the Preakness. And they have people like having a cookout in the center. Yep, in the infield. <laughs> the world. It's, it's one of my favorite things in sports is that there are people having like a tailgating party in the center of the track at the Preakness while all the millionaires are up there looking out the window like, oh, Ted, look yes. down there at the poors. The poors. You know, and Bob Raffles. chicken. Chickens. On an open fire with no seasoning. Um, But Bob <laughs> Baffert is sitting there and he's just, you know, Dope, like apparently his horses are popping hot for drugs, like well, <laughs> purple. Pur- I mean, this you said it's it's pretty much cough syrup. Like yeah. if you look, if you go by a stable and you look down at the ground and you see purple in the ground, it's something that resembles pretty much uh, Grimace's spank bank. You you know that something's wrong. It's just <laughs> yeah. And then he says it's cancel culture. That's the best part. Well, the best part is actually the cough syrup. The second best part is that him getting caught cheating is cancel culture. <laughs> I cannot with these people. Like, and you have been a writer for a long for for a while. I'm gonna say a long time because yep. we're the same age, and I'm not sitting there trying to call you old. We're pretty much the same age. So I'm gonna rephrase that that question. You've been a writer for a while. Why, and you've been in newsrooms and you have to deal with, you know, men in the field. Why are dudes so apprehensive and just just skittish about accepting responsibility? I don't know. I've known very few. It's a good point. I've known very few men in my life, and I married one of them, who will accept responsibility and who will say when they're wrong, wow, I was wrong. Boy, I really miss that one. But most most guys I know, most people I know, will simply just double down. Like, oh, my, it got caught doping my horse. Oh, my horse is popped up on cough syrup and painkillers. Cancel culture. <laughs> Doesn't take away the fact that you're cheating. You're a big cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. I mean, it's one of those things that... Baffert is he's an atrocious human being. He's just he lied and he got caught and he pulled the, you know, white man tears. It wasn't a white woman tears, it was a white man tears. When we come back, we're gonna have actually numbers that actually should be a good thing. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC radio network. We are back with the Black Tuesday Podcast, Terrence Pig, Stanford Lens. 
Stephanie, when we look at Joe Biden's numbers, his approval ratings, it, they are better. They are, I mean, better than Trump's, which we would hope, but they're consistently good at this point. And I like the fact that 47% of Republicans thinks that think that he handled the pandemic well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're not even done. Mm-mm. And he's been it's quiet. To me. Yeah. And I like the fact that it pisses off the media that Biden just goes and does his job and doesn't mm-hmm. tweet all these wild things, and it it upsets the media. It it, it upsets me because they can't buy that house in the Hamptons. They can't buy that house in the Keys because there will probably be less raises because I'm guessing that media consumption will slowly decrease because there's no tweets that are leading the news every night. It's just effectual mm-hmm. government. Yeah, it's good old boring government. And it, it is... Things running the way they're supposed to. And for me, it's... I like boring. Boring, you know, like mm-hmm. boring politics are the best politics. I mean, that shit's getting done. And think, think about what's not getting done. We've got to talk about South Carolina. Now, as a Floridian of Pennsylvania extraction, today South Carolina closed every government office to for Confederate Memorial Day because 258,000 soldiers died fighting for the Confederacy. Now, let me, let me reframe that. Today the first state to secede from the Union decided to make a big fucking deal over 258,000 traitors to the United States of America because of their heritage. Because they didn't want... It, it's funny. We live in a country where folks who are the, the descendants of these clowns and people who still kind of sympathize with the ideologies are sitting there saying how America doesn't want to work. These ass clowns had other people work their lands for free. Who doesn't want to work? Mm-hmm. Now, as a Southerner, because you live in Florida, so we got we have to call you this. No, I I can turn the accent on if you want me to. <laughs> when you look at South Carolina in a bubble, why do they just seem to be one of the smallest Southern states who just does the most to just draw unnecessary attention from Lindsey Graham? to Tim Scott and a three-foot-high gums. <laughs> well, I can tell you this. I know this for a fact because it's one of the few things that I have on my birthday, is that South Carolina was the first state to secede from the Union in 1860. So um, it's happened in December. Like, the election results came in from November. They knew it was going to be Abraham Lincoln. They had a vote, and they seceded. And I think Georgia was right behind them. But um, So they were just, just jumped right on that. And I don't know what it is about South Carolina. Like you said, it's small. It's completely surrounded by other southern states. Um, you know, it's it's got some geography that kind of isolates its citizens here and there, but it's not, you know, it's not like it was in 1860 anymore. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not isolated anymore. And it's not isolated from the rest of the country and the world where you just, hang on to this myth of 
the antebellum glory. It's insanity to me. I I see. I was like, well, when did this Confederate Memorial Day come about? Because we never had it. I, it's supposedly celebrated in Florida. I never heard of it when I was a kid. I don't remember ever getting the day off, um, anything like that. And it's been a holiday since 1868. I think we need to retire this as a state holiday. It's celebrated in South Carolina, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, and Tennessee. And um, it celebrates the surrender of the last major Confederate field army. Well, you know, why don't, why don't they just wave some white flags around and, you know, then go back to work? I, I don't get why this is a holiday, why this is a thing, why stuff gets shut down so we can remember a bunch of people who betrayed their country. If only they would, if they, if only they would, you know, like exercise common sense to know that they would still fly the flag on top of the state capitol if that lady didn't mm-hmm. climb up and snatch it. Mm-hmm. And yep. South Carolina has Southern middle child syndrome, where yes. no matter where you are in the country, if you're a middle child, think about it. They're between Georgia and North Carolina. North Carolina mm-hmm. shares a name with South Carolina, but it is the least. It is the Roger Clinton of the Carolinas. It is <laughs> lesser famous. More the troublesome. Frank the Frank Stallone. Thank you. The Frank Stallone. The day Franco. We're just keeping the theme going. <laughs> yes. The Frank Stallone. They are like, they really are the, uh, just pretty much the Fredo Corleone of. There you go. That works. Southern states where they're between Georgia's a powerhouse and North Carolina is a dominant southern state where South Carolina is mm-hmm. like. Hey, we're here too. We're we're, we're in the picture. <laughs> Literally, yep. like Southern Jan Brady. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> Pork chops and applesauce. Yes, yes. Now, as the movie buff, the uh, cinephile, if you will, IndieWire has decided to discuss the best comedies of the 21st century. Did you, did you see this list? I saw a couple of lists today. The, the horror one had me upside down. Do you want to talk about the horror one first, or do you want to talk about the comedies ones first? Let's do the comedy one. All right. Because it's a hot mess. So, now, IndieWire, you know, they have... Okay. 25 was Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Funny movie. It was it it was different. I'm guessing they should have made like three of those because when they went to was it Guantanamo Bay and they saved Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's two stoners like eating shitty hamburgers. Great. Juno, I can see that. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. That was also on the horror list, I believe, and I agree with that one. Old school. Uh, yeah, I can it's, see old school. Is Train that the wreck. one with Will Ferrell running around saying you're my boy, Blue? Yes, to the old man okay. who died. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Train wreck. Nothing. Nothing. Amy Schumer is 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 funny. I can't. Like, no. Just no. Just fuck all that. No. Oh, oh, brother, where out? Where art thou? I I like it, but I wouldn't 
call it comedy per se. I it was quirky. I, I can't yeah. fight it. It was quirky. Best in show. I like best in show. I like best in show. I can't fault. About a boy. No. No. Hugh Grant as brooding dad type. Really? He should have been on Bob Baffert's horses, like, <laughs> doing drugs and being a jockey. Borat. Borat was funny for, like, a, it's funny once, but then the jokes kind of, mm -hmm. they repeat themselves. The Heat. Now. I've never seen The Heat. Melissa McCarthy is one of those people that, literally, if she were to not lean on size jokes. Mm-hmm. And just go straight comedy. Different. Like, funny. Like, fun. But she leans on being a woman of size. And it just it just doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. Something called Obvious Child with Jenny Slate. Never saw it. Neighbors. That's a little high. Like, that's Wolf, uh, Seth Rogen and Zac Efron. Yeah, yeah, a lot of these, I'm just kind of blanking. I mean, they're not memorable. In Bruges, just like uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, that really it's was one of those comedy. I've had on my watch list forever and have never bothered with. Silver Linings Playbook. Is this a comedy? I don't think so. It's kind of about this dude in like, a, isn't he in like a mental, a mental institution? I think, I, I've never seen it. I have it on my wish on my watch list, and I have the book sitting here doing nothing. But I, from what I gather, he's um, bipolar and has just come out of hospitalization and is trying to kind of get his life back together. And um, there's, uh, I, I guess, a rom com, maybe a little bit. Rom com. But, I can see that. Something called yeah. Mistress America. Do you ever see that? No, I don't know what that is. No clue. We're going to move on to Midnight in Paris. I can't stand Nope. Owen Wilson. I can't. I can't. Just, he's not funny. Woody either. Allen movie. Go huh? straight in the garbage. It's a Woody Trash. Allen movie. Go straight in the garbage. Burn after reading. Brad Pitt is not funny. And I don't no. care if he, like, exercise guy. No. Enough said. This is a weird one because this is like James Gallofini and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It's kind of an yeah. interesting movie. It's an interesting, like, dynamic. This is like the bearded James Gandolfini. This is not like the Tony Soprano, <laughs> you know, start, like, shooting yeah. people. This is more of, like, the the dad type. Yeah. The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Now, I watched this movie in a bubble because, or a different context, because I'm a huge Office fan. Mm-hmm. I really can't see, well, there's such a line between the guy, the character in the movie, and Michael Scott, where Steve Carell just kind of plays like a spin-off version of Michael Scott. Yeah. Have you ever Super seen Foxcatcher? Foxcatcher, Foxcatcher. Is that about the wrestling? The Yeah, he plays DuPont, and he's a wrestling yes. coach, and it's really good. That is good. I'll be on our good sports movies. Oh yes, we definitely will have that one. Super bad. <laughs> you know, I've never seen Super Bad. It is a cult classic. Cause just because they have so many lines and just it's. Mm -hmm. I want to. It drags. Time. I just watched Goodfellas for the first time this weekend. So. Tell me that wasn't great. It was good. 
It's a like joke that's amazing. Like the scene when they're, uh, I think Debbie Mazar is, and mm-hmm. Liliota, they're like, uh, preparing the drugs and a uh, buddy guy starts blaring over the speakers. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. a managed boy, it's, it's the perfect song for that part of the movie. Yeah, Number the five is great. Team America World Police. Okay. I like Although, South Park. It is. It, the fist coming through the mountain in America, fuck yeah, is funny. I mean, it, yes. it's so stupid, but it's funny. That's better. That sequence is better than most of the movies you've listed. That's true. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Haven't watched it. I watched some of it. Quirky. Oh, no, wait. No, I have seen that one. I had that one confused with the Marigold Hotel movie. I have seen Grand Budapest. It's fine. It's fun to look at. All Wes Anderson movies are fun to look at. But Lost in Translation. You know, I've never seen Lost in Translation. I'm kind of my over husband has seen it, and he keeps telling me to watch it. I'm over Bill Murray. I just, I just, I can't with Bill. <laughs> School of Rock. Now, yes. Yeah, I like, I like School, School of Rock. Rock because what it, what it also did was it actually spurred an actual. There are campuses all across the country. You can go on YouTube and. There are these kids mm-hmm. who go to different campuses and they perform well-known songs. It's actually kind of, they, uh, I just watched three versions of California, California Dreaming by the Moms and Papas mm-hmm. and each time it was a different version and from different schools they kill it. They absolutely put their little hearts and souls into it and I love it. Number one is Sideways. Okay. <laughs> Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church. Now, yep. uh, Sandra O's in that too, right? What's that? Sandra O oh is in that. Yep. Is that the best? Is that the best comedy of the 21st century? Like, I mean, no. I know that we're only 21 years in, but really, School of Rock is better than that. Anchorman is better than that. Mean Girls. Anchorman is not even on the list. My first Anchorman is classic. Mm-hmm. Mean Girls. The second one, garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, idiocracy. We lived it now. Yes. You know, if, if you want to get cerebral, <laughs> um, Hot Fuzz is a good movie. Yes, Hot Fuzz is a uh, great movie. The remake of Hairspray is not bad. Oh my God! Yeah, I like the original, but um, yes. you know, it's from Down the Water. Yeah. Um, then there's all the Disney movies. You know, there's oh my Princess God, and yes. the Frog and Ratatouille and Up and you know, all of those movies are, are good movies, and most of them are comedies, if you had to put them in something other than animation. Shrek. Shrek, yeah. And they My went sideways. she agrees. <laughs> they went sideways. Now, you, you said that you had a list of horror movies. Oh, I saw something. It must have been on film updates, too. It's going to take me a second to find it. But they had a list out of horror movies, and... I don't know if it was a an error or what it was, but Lost in Translation was on that list. What the hell? I know. <laughs> so I have a feeling that the list I saw was some kind of screw-up. But it did have on it uh, Emily in Paris and some other things that are horror movies. So, you know, I, I'm not sure what was going on there. But And then it prompted a big thing. I follow a lot of horror writers, and a lot of people... Yes, I hear you, Kat. Please stop. Um, 
about uh, you know what they thought was horror and what they thought was good and what had been left off and what was included and whether it was horror and then people were debating whether or not Lost in Translation was a horror film and it's like <laughs> it's a lot of things but a horror movie it is not so um, I don't know where that went but um, yeah that was just insanity like, and it was also from IndieWire uh, so. for me like I look at movies like Saw and people are like oh mm-hmm. you know Saw is just the greatest horror movie ever I'm like really Saw, it, yeah. Saw, Saw could have been you know, fixed if you would have called the FBI and said that, hey, there are people walking around with arms and legs missing who there's a, a serial killer. They'd been in that building in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah, like, I, common I sense shit. <laughs> and people are like, oh, I want to see Saw, Saw 6. Shit, you just yeah. saw 1 through 5. It's the same goddamn movie. Did you see the new Invisible Man? No. It came out right around the time of um, beginning of COVID. Mm-mm, who's in that one? Oh, gosh, I forget her name. She's the star of um, The Handmaid's Tale. Elizabeth Moss. Yes, she's the star. She was really good in it, and it was a good idea. Um, but it for them, they keep trying to reboot this universal dark cinematic universe, and that was their Invisible Man reboot. Um, it was interesting bringing it into the future, and the type of horror that it was was a really interesting examination, but... For the most part, it wasn't as compelling as, as I would have liked it to be. It was a fine way to spend a couple hours, but when I was done with it, I was like, okay, that's that's done. I just kind of checked it off my list and moved on. It didn't sit with me, and it didn't um, really scare me much. But um, it's it's kind of a tough watch if you've ever been in a tight family situation or had an abusive partner or anything like that. It's That's what he does, and he's... Um, psychologically disturbed and he creates a suit that allows him to kind of be invisible against backgrounds and so he stalks her and then causes her grief by making other people think that she's committing these crimes that he's committing so that's the story of the new invisible man for me horror kind of lost its autora when i don't know i uh hit my mid-20s it was just like because i grew up I told this story, but Friday the 13th, I don't know, it was Exorcist. I am six years old, so it's like 1980. Mm-hmm. It would come on HBO, and one of my dim-witted brothers who was 10 years older would sit there and make me watch it, and then do the voice, because we shared a room, because he was a douchebag, and I would have to sleep with a night light the size of a hubcap on. <laughs> for like six weeks. I was so pissed. I'm like, dude, no, just it. But between that and like Friday the Thirteenth, when the end of the first one, where there's a boat and Jason's mother comes out of the bo- comes out of the water, scares the shit out of me. I'm like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going camping. Black folks do not need to be in the forest, no, because that's you know, no, because we always get killed first, no matter what. Yeah, Jason's racist, but no. Uh- mm-hmm. Did you ever see the remake of The House on Haunted Hill? It was out in the 90s, late 90s. It had um, Jeffrey Rush in it. and um, Yeah. Uh, and the black guy made it through. Mm-hmm. It was, it, I remember I saw that. I, I loved the original House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. And so I dragged my husband to the movies, and we saw it in the theater. And we got to the end, and he was still alive. And it was everyone was looking around at each other like, did he, did he make it through? <laughs> so it was just kind of a... 
an unusual thing for the, for the black character to make it through. And that has always stuck with me out of that movie. Not much of the rest of it has, but it's like, yeah. From every time, and just like, you know, people like, you know, they want to sit there and say, well, directors like Eli Roth, they, you know, they're pushing the edge. No, they're just, it's gory. That's not horror, mm-hmm. it's just gory. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty much accidents. And because then it leads, you know, we all know these people who are like diehard horror fans who can't think of anything but going to a horror movie. Mm-hmm. If they want a real horror movie, try having naturally dark hair and being like 46 and seeing gray in your eyebrows. That'll mm-hmm. scare the shit out of anybody. Yeah. Or you're in a horror movie, try waking up from a random sleep and say, huh, I must have slept wrong and being sore. Age, getting older is a horror movie. I think that's why people kind of age out of horror a little bit or they mm-hmm. change what kind of horror they like. Um, one of the things Toasted Cheese does um, is we have a horror contest and it opens on October 1st so people can write when they're in that Halloween-y kind of mood. And our deadline is the first day of winter. And the contest is called Dead of Winter. And we put on our guidelines for people, like we don't want slasher horror, we don't want to see guts all over the place. What we want is you write us a story that when we stop reading it and we have to go and do something else we have to go get into the bright light or we have to go and you know sit under a blanket or something because it gets inside our heads and um, my co-judge Aaron and I were both in our 40s and that's what we want we want our horror to be a psychological horror we want everything to kind of happen in the head We, we like a ghost story too but we do not want to see somebody just come at somebody with a knife and slash them up and I, I kind of never did, but maybe she did. But we do get a lot of those, and a lot of them tend to come from writers who volunteer their age and tell us that they're either teen writers or they're in their 20s, they're in college, that kind of thing. And then writers who are established writers, I mean, their 30s and 40s, tend to write the more psychological horror. That's just a general thing. I mean, I have friends who write flash horror who are older than I am, so it's not a an all-inclusive thing, but... Maybe it's just a case of the more you see, the less stuff holds terror for you. you know, like, are you really going to be scared of somebody jumping out of a closet when you've had to sit next to your child in the hospital room? Fair. You know, that's, it's just it changes. And, and I think there's such a wide variety of horror film that you can really pick and choose what you want. And there's some really good streaming services that are just for horror if people are into that. Now, speaking of things that are horrific, now, mm-hmm. for those who know us, we have the ongoing catch-it deb- catch debate. I'm <laughs> right. Stephanie's wrong. That should okay. be in the debate, but we will have that date. Honestly, we will be 100 and some odd years old mm-hmm. at the, I don't know, at the 50th anniversary of the Black Tuesday podcast mm-hmm. and sitting somewhere on the beach having the same damn debate. Now, I think I understand now with Stephanie and Ketchup. Let me tell the story that as someone who loves not just to eat Italian food, but to make Italian food from scratch, mm-hmm. she told a horror story that I had to sit down, I had to like, you know, have some quinoa whiskey and kind of calm myself down and have some bread. The floor is yours, Steph. Okay. Someone tweeted 
um, that there are Philistines on Facebook, which that's one of my favorite terms, calling people Philistines, who substitute cottage cheese for ricotta. And that is exactly how my mother made lasagna. Uh, my mother was German, Irish, Swedish, that, that brand. And she was a cook she was not. Um, so the lasagna I had as a kid growing up was um, just plain old lasagna noodles, uh, ragu sauce. Um, I, I think it was mozzarella because it melted like mozzarella. And cottage cheese mm-hmm. and ground beef. And that was it, layered up. And it was so different from everything else that she made with, you know, like the ragu sauce and stuff. I just shoveled it in. I loved it. And um, then when I moved in with my husband, he was, he was like, hey, I've got a lasagna recipe from a family friend, and it has ingredients on here, and I bought them. And I tried it, and I was like, well, this doesn't look like my mother's lasagna. It had a ricotta. And I tried that, and it was like, oh, my God, this is really good. No wonder people love lasagna. And I was literally choking on my mother's lasagna. And I don't know if it's the way she made it or if it's in general. And if anybody um, can, can weigh in on this, it would help me out. Um, the cottage cheese didn't melt. It stayed clumpy pieces. And I, don't, I think she kind of scooped it with a spoon, not like an ice cream scoop, but like little scoops. And it was clumpies all through the lasagna. And it didn't melt into like a nice layer it was clumps of cottage cheese between the noodles and the ragu and the ground beef so that was lasagna when i was a kid in the 80s so ketchup was you know made everything taste exotic i did not put ketchup on lasagna i uh i get it now like i uh i mean i'm still gonna like be a complete douchebag and jackass about ketchup to everyone (laughs) except you (laughs) I actually, I have a good ketchup story I haven't told you yet. Yes. I was um, I I did a sleepover at the house of a friend of mine. Her name was Debbie, and it was uh, like the weekend of Thanksgiving, so they had leftover turkey, and that's what we were going to have um, for for lunch the day after our sleepover. And so her mom, you know, served us up turkey, and I asked her for the ketchup, and her mother's face just went ashen, and she said, "In this house, we do not." put ketchup on turkey and she just sat down and i was like that's how i eat it (laughs) so i just choked down the turkey and had to eat my thanksgiving dinner with no ketchup and i was so sad no (laughs) oh lord you put ketchup on turkey i mean i did i can't i I did because my mother didn't put any oregano or poultry seasoning nothing that makes sense now that I get it now. I get it because you had to eat ketchup by necessity. Like these, yeah. um, I want to say Neanderthals, but these other folks, Philistines. Philistines put ketchup on food because they like it on French fry because they're weirdos. <laughs> but it's yeah, I I just can't now. Earlier we talked about the Confederate Day, and <sighs> I tweeted out the because somebody asked about weird dates and stuff and I explained that when I was 23 I had a girlfriend we were dating you know dating it's like 97 so you know things are it's the 90s shit's different back then and so this would be you know the night quote unquote Mm -hmm. so she said and I quote you know gonna kind of spice things up and go a little different direction my 23 year old mind went to 
and I quote, the filthiest places on earth mentally. Like, <laughs> use your imagination, folks, and think about it. Like, my mind was so filthy that Oscar the Grouch winced. Mm-hmm. But so on that Marvin Gaye music in the background. See why are you this? <laughs> <laughs> so she comes over and there are two garment bags. One pink, one blue. Pink is hers, blue's mine. So I didn't immediately, you know, look into mine. Uh, she took those in the room, I looked at mine, oh it's a suit. Oh, we're gonna go somewhere nice. Mm. I'm thinking and she comes out. She's wearing a Scarlett O'Hara gown, and I looked at my suit a little more carefully. I was supposed to dress I was supposed to dress up as a servant. And rage internally, just stunned. Like, I'm not wearing this, and she's in full, like, Vivian Lee, I think mm-hmm. that's who it was. Yeah. Regalia. And like got her makeup on. I'm like, um, what is this? And she's like, Oh, just the way to kinda, you know, spice things up. <laughs> I looked at her and just said, Get out. Just get out of my house. That phrase is well chosen. What in the Blueberry strudel fuck is wrong with you? Oh my god. And she had this incredible, like, she tried to convince me, like, if I went through with this, other things would happen. No, I don't want things, I want, the only thing I want to happen is for me to sit there and de-louse my now apartment and go mm. to sleep. <laughs> I don't care if it was 6.13 on a Saturday evening. I don't care. I was so disgusted, I just wanted to be alone. Good lord. And I assume that was just like it right there, like done. Take this home. We're done. Goodbye. Yeah. Never see you again. Did you ever see her again? I mean, like just on the street or anything? Yeah, I saw a couple. Like she literally, she literally had posed a question. Oh, what, what, what can I get with the when I wear this? Oh, the fuck out. <laughs> Oh my god! And I, I was, I saw her about six months later, and I was at a bar, me and the new girlfriend, and she was there with a black dude, and I'm like, I knew this dude. I'm like, he mm-hmm. would be the kind of self-hating douchebag that would wear it, and he would probably let her call it the n-word, and that's a whole other thing that we're about to jump into now. See, mm-hmm. there are lines to not be crossed. Mm-hmm. And I know of people personally who have let their significant others of a different race use that word in the middle of intimate moments. People are the worst. Mm-hmm. And I saw her and she just, you know, he just had that, that, that complete shit-eating grin. And I was like, really? Like, this is... Uh, and it's just lines. There are lines and there are moments. Just there are there are deal breakers. That is my deal breaker. That is one of the fifty five hundred deal breakers I have. And that's a main I one. I'm 
not going to dress like a servant. That, that's the polite word for it, too. Mm-hmm. Slave. I'm not going to dress like a slave. No. This, I mean, it's weird. And that it's, was just the beginning. You know it was going where it was going. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. And I, 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 I knew that that's something I didn't want to do because I knew that, like you said, it was not too far from using that word. It wasn't too far from mm-hmm. going from a suit to going for, you know, to be like enslaved gear outside. No, nah, like barefoot and no, no, I'm good. Because I do remember, side note, one of the things that one of her sisters said about her boyfriend is that she's specifically with him to mate and breed. I'm like, oh my god. That's the term they use? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's like, I'm 23, so it's like, 19, like I got a 1997. I am I'm stunned. And I literally asked her, can I ask you a question? She was like, oh yeah, shoot. What the fuck is wrong with you? And she's like, what? And I explain how, you know, how that's wrong. But, yeah, I just. And for me, the sad part of, like I said, being a black dude, I, I know dudes would, like, be okay with it because the end result is something that they want. And I'm sorry, there's nothing in life, physical or otherwise, that I'm about to sit there and compromise my morals for. You know, I don't care. Mm-mm. And it's one of those things that, I hold fast. But on that bright and cheery note, <laughs> how can people interact with you on Twitter and social media? The best way is Twitter, and it's I'm at Edenza, E-D-E-N-Z-A. You can find us at Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. My pleasure. Take it easy. Take it easy. This has been another episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Have some bread.